This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hi everybody, it's Doc from the John Freaking Pod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Missed these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. In nature, there are neither rewards nor punishments. There are consequences. Robert Green Ingersoll. I would say 12... 12 to 15 feet across is the log that you have to cross to get to the other side. And Nick is already on the other side. He's yell, He's He has to yell to us and I can barely hear him over the river. And Davy Jones is right next to us trying to relay what he's saying. And he's trying to tell us, you know, just focus on the log and just take your time and all this stuff. And so I watch him go across and he's six. I think Davy Jones is like six two or six three. He's tall. And he walks across like this graceful gazelle, like it's not a big deal, and like steps over these branches. I'm like, uh, okay, my turn. <laughs> so I just kind of like 
okay, you got this. Like, I give myself a pep talk inside, and I'm like, okay, don't show on the outside that you're freaking out, and you're gonna be fine. No one's gonna, no one's gonna know. And then I go to cross, and I get about halfway across, and I lose focus of the log, and I start to see the water underneath, and I see it's just, it's just gushing by. And I just look up, and St. Nick um, is looking across from me on the other side, and he's just yelling at me in a nice way. <laughs> like, it's okay, take your time, take your breath, like it's, you're okay. And he's, he's like, just take it step by step. And I immediately froze at that point and I could not move. And I just sat there and I stared at him and I, I just was helpless. Like I, I, I couldn't move. I was so frozen. I was like, if I take one step, I'm going to fall and I'm going to go right in the river. And I don't know what, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be bad. <laughs> and I just sat there for the longest time, which was probably maybe only two minutes, maybe but I could feel like the fibers of my leg muscles start to twitch and I could feel them kind of start to like falter and like, I'm just like moments away from falling. And I just keep thinking to myself, like either go or just fall, but like fall with intent, like fall with like, you're gonna, your life. <laughs> and so I ended up blocking out. I'm Doc. And this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freaking Mirpod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and Renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. Okay, on to this week's content. Our guest this week comes to us on a reference from Triple Crowner and former guest of the pod, Ginger Balls. He said, I definitely need to talk to PCT through hiker and I think future triple crowner, Little Skittles. Welcome to the pod, <laughs> Little Skittles. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now I have to ask you about the trail name. Do you go by the full Little Skittles? Do I, can I call you Little? Should I call you Skittles? Is there, is there a shortening of that at all? Or is it, we need to follow strict protocol with Little Skittles? Yeah, um, people either say LS or Skittle or Little Skittle, but it's just singular. It's just me. Oh, so. Little yeah. Skittle. Got yeah. it. All right. And of course, we need to know the backstory of the trail name. How did you come by Little Skittle? Well, it came about with actually Ginger Balls and his Warrior Expedition group. Um, we started on the same day, April 3rd, and I met up with them my third day on the trail we were both hiking into Mount Laguna and it was quite the um quite the day it was very uh, much a slog um and I met up with them just outside of Mount Laguna and I met up with three of his people who were behind ginger balls and we were getting a water source and talking and talking about where we we're going to stop and we all agreed oh we're all going to stop in Mount Laguna and get a beer and find a place to stay so we're hiking and we're stopping for breaks and chit-chatting and I'm in like all these colors and I'm 
eating a lot of candy. That's one of my main sources on the trail of energy. Um, and you can eat it really guilt-free out there. So they tried to name me Rainbow Warrior um, just for the color aspect of it and because I was hiking with a bunch of the Warrior Expeditions this time. Um, but I felt like it didn't really fit. Um, I know that you're not supposed to decline it, but I felt like it doesn't do them any service to call me a warrior if I'm not a veteran. And it felt like I didn't fit. So I said, one more try. And they went with little Skittle and it stuck. Um, I was I'm five, 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 six, and these guys are like six feet and above. So mm-hmm. I was little compared to them. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. Skittle. Little yep. Skittle. Very good. And um, so you met Ginger Balls on the PCT. I did. Yeah. Um, the group that I was hiking with, with the War Expeditions, we met up in Mount Laguna, which is where um, Ginger Balls was hanging out waiting for the rest of the group. And that's where I met him. And then the rest is history. We kept leapfrogging throughout the PCT the entire time. And then we ended up finishing the same morning together. It's pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. So I have to ask you, did, you know, he said that his first of the triple crown trails was the AT and he Uh ran into scrapbook the first day on the AT. And one of the things that struck me about that encounter was Gingerball said that he was looking at Scrapbook. He didn't know that Scrapbook, this was his third uh, Triple Crown Trail. He was becoming a Triple Crowner on this uh-huh. on the AT. And he was only, I think, 20, 21 years old. And uh, he wasn't carrying much of a, much of a pack. He was going, going light. And of course, Gingerballs, this being his first major through hike, he brought everything, kitchen sink, everything. And his pack <laughs> was huge. And he, they were both looking at each other saying, Oh, this guy's never going to make it. Um, you know, scrapbook looking at ginger balls and ginger balls looking at scrapbook. And it's just, it's just so funny. The, that, that image in my mind, did you, have you had a chance to, uh, hike with, with scrapbook as well or no? I haven't. I never heard of him until recently. Um, he's on a couple podcasts, so I'd never heard of him yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the PCT was your first long trail. And I think, uh, the AT was his last. So yeah, I, I, I didn't think that maybe you had, uh, had met him yet. So yeah. Okay. Very good. Have you listened to this podcast? Um, I listened to Ginger Balls after he recommended you. So I've, I've only listened to his episodes so far. Okay. Very good. So uh, we do have a regular feature on the podcast that I want to give you a heads up on. It's called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. Okay. And so when we get to the end of the episode, I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to say, hey, little Skittle, what, uh, what tip, trick, insight can you share with our listeners to make their next adventure that much more epic? So. Okay. Have that in mind. Don't be surprised when I ask. Okay. All right. Another feature that we've done this second season on the podcast is the must bring gear review. And let me, let me characterize this for you. Let me explain a little bit. If you're going to have somebody pack your pack, just full of generic stuff, what is the one item that you would tell them, Hey, wait, hang on. You must pack this item. And if you have a specific brand in mind as well, that's, that's even better. You know, what is your must bring piece of gear out there on the trail? What is your favorite item? I would say in Jinji trail liner socks, because they're clutch when it comes to preventing a blister when you have a hot spot. Um, and those guys saved me, uh, my first 70 miles on the PCT, I started getting a hot spot, um, right outside of Scissors Crossing of Julian. And they saved my life, literally. Um, Cause blisters can take you right out of it for three, four days. Um, and that's not what I wanted. So I 
bought a pair of those guys as soon as I felt it, put them on and I never had an issue afterwards. So, so for our, our listeners who aren't familiar with trail, trail liner socks. Yeah. So Injinji is the brand Um, Injinji is the brand and they have about four or five types of um, sock designs, but they're all toe liner. So they're basically toe socks. So there's fabric going through every toe. So your actual skin to skin when it's damp and sweaty, isn't having abrasions and having hot spots and creating blisters. Um, But I prefer uh, the trail sock, which is like one for hiking. Um, but they have other ones um, like for skiing, so they're much thicker. Um, they have other ones for running. They have other ones to be a liner to go underneath like a natural thicker hiking sock. So if you like to double up that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's all different kinds. There's like low, low on the ankle and then there's like higher up on the knee and stuff like that. So fantastic. I, I don't think I'd heard of those. So that's that's interesting. Toe socks. Very yes. good. They don't have the warranty like darn tough, but they will save your butt. I promise. <laughs> they'll save your foot. Yes, they'll save your foot. <laughs> they're, not, they're not butt socks. No, no. Okay, got it. <laughs> All right. Hey, so let's let's get let's go into your background a little bit and find out how you came to be part of the hiking the through hiking cult. Um, what is the percentage of women out on these long these long hikes these long trails? I heard that it was lower in years past, um, but every year it kind of gets more, mm-hmm. um, the percentages go up. And I think that that helped with the, um, the advertising of Wild, the book and the movie. I think mm-hmm. that really uh, resonated with a lot of women to, you can go out there and do this hard thing. Um, and also that you can be accepted in the outdoor community. Um, I would say I thought it was, I would say 65, 35%, 60, 40% uh, male to female ratio. So not even, um, it's definitely lesser. Um, Mm -hmm. Like for instance, in my, my like original tramily, like once we went through the Sierra, there was six guys and two girls. So that that was our ratio. And that was quite common amongst all the other groups. I kind of watched on social media and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, where, where did you grow up? What part of the United States? Uh, Washington. I've been born and raised in Washington my entire life. I haven't lived anywhere else. Okay. So, so Pacific Northwest, lots of hiking opportunities out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So grow, growing up, was that a family activity? You guys did a lot of uh, hiking and backpacking or camping? No, honestly, we didn't. Um, my dad got us into sports a lot. So I played soccer, volleyball, fast pitch. I did track, um, basketball. Um, we did summer camping trips, but have you ever heard of like Thousand Trails Thousand or like, trails? Camp, like no. KOA campgrounds? I've heard Basically, of KOA campgrounds. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's the kind of camping we do. Like we had mm-hmm. a fifth wheel, we'd tow behind the truck and we'd camp in that. Like it wasn't really camping. Um, there was a backpacking. I didn't get into hiking until I got my dog, to be honest. So about seven years ago. Okay. And so what, what, can you remember the moment where you thought, Hey, I'd like to sling a bunch of stuff onto my back, 20, 30 pounds and go live out in the dirt for days on end. This sounds like a good idea. What do you remember when that came to you and what, what the, uh, the, the motivation was? Yeah. Um, I entertained it in 2016. Um, it was a couple of years after getting into the hiking, um, just day hiking in Washington, and thinking, kind of romanticizing, I guess, the idea of putting everything on your back. 
even just for a couple of days and going out in the wilderness, turning off your cell phone and just enjoying it out there. Um, and I finally did sort of, uh, in 2016, I finally got all the gear I would need. Um, I scrounged up all the garage sales from REI. I went to secondhand stores. Like I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just assuming this is what you take. Um, my pack was like, I have a picture of it. I'll, I'll send it to you so you can have it, but it's like it's a huge pack. Um, but I ended up staying a day or a night out in the North Cascades with my dog. Um, it was pretty uneventful. Nothing crazy happened. It wasn't no torrential downpour. The tent didn't, the tent worked great. We slept great. It was fine. Um, but that was the only overnight I ever did until I went on the PCT. And then wow. it was 135 wow. days straight. <laughs> so, so one overnighter and then the PCT. Yep. And there was, and there was like a two year break or three year break, I guess, too, because it was 2016 until 2019. So yeah. Yeah. I'd say very, very beginner. <laughs> that is a big jump. Um, before we get to how that jump happened, I have a couple things I want to unpack from what you just said. Uh, okay. First is the gear. I, I love to hear about gear and especially how... Um, how your gear evolves as a novice hiker to a more experienced hiker. So you, you say you assembled your gear. It was a heavy pack, probably rivaled monster in wild. Um, yeah. Tell us, tell <laughs> us what, uh, what you got. I know that REI is all, is the huge beneficiary of, of the increase in through hikers. You know, a lot of people drop a lot of money at REI. Yeah. Um, so what kind of stuff did you get? Tell us about your, your bag. Um, your, your, uh, your shelter, your sleep system, that kind of stuff. So the tent I ended up getting, um, it was a Marmot. I forget the, I forget the model, but it was a Marmot and it was probably about four and a half pounds. It was a two person tent. Cause I figured me, my dog, my pack and all of his stuff, I figured two would be great give us enough space. Um, and I had a Marmot 30 degree synthetic bag, which was, I don't know how heavy it was, but it wouldn't fit inside my pack. Let's say that you can see it in the picture. It's, it's dangling on the back of my back. Um, and I had a, was it green? Uh, it was green. <laughs> I think I had the same bag. <laughs> yep. It was green. Um, and I had a Thermarest ProLite Plus um, sleeping pad, which I still have to this day. And I even took that on the PCT. Um, so that's been a tried and true piece. Um, and my sleeping bag. Oh yeah. I've talked about sleeping bag. What was the other thing? Oh, I don't have a cook system. I like to, um, I wasn't sure if I'd like to cook in the outdoors and I'm still not sure. So I took a sandwich, so I didn't have cooking stuff with me, but my pack was still so big. Um, and the pack itself was a I think it was a Gregory Luna, I want to say, and it was a frame pack. Um, I don't think I've heard of Gregory Luna. Yeah, I'm, it, it wasn't a well-known pack. It was just something, I remember I got it on the garage sale. So I don't think it was, it's probably like a um, closeout sort of like last season type of thing. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, did you say that you still don't have a cook system? 
I do. I mean, I've been given them to like try out and like give feedback and see if like I could be swooned into being a cooker somehow. Um, but I've never taken <laughs> on trail. So I, I think I might have my first cold soaker, my first bona fide cold soaker on the yeah. podcast. Is I that really, true? yeah, I really prefer it. I really do. And I really, don't, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. We're going to come back to that in just a sec because I want to hear more about that. But okay. Let's talk about your dog. What kind of dog is it? What what breed? It's a French bulldog. A French bulldog. And yeah. did it go on the PCT with you? No, no, he didn't go on the PCT. Okay. Um, but he is, he's not built like most, like if you think French bulldog, you think he's snorting all over the place. He can't breathe. He's drooling. Um, he's not athletic. This guy is not that guy. For some reason, I picked like the right gifted one of the litter and he's he's amazing i call him my muscle hamster on the trail (laughs) (laughs) so he goes on shorter trips with you yeah yeah i take him out in washington um he did this summer was their biggest backpacking trip yet with him um i did a it was 16 miles each way to an alpine lake um and we did um each way in one day so 16 miles in one day was pretty, pretty gnarly for him, but he did it. It was awesome. Yeah. Frequent breaks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Frequent breaks. Yeah. It was in um, July. So it was kind of warm out. Yeah. So, and he actually did his first through hike this year too. Um, I took him on the Timberline trail and they considered that a through hike. So mm-hmm. he got to have his first through hike experience. <laughs> and so what are some, what are some best practices that you employ with uh, hiking through hiking with your dog? Uh, well, I know that, I mean, I can go pretty fast cause I pack so light. Um, and I just kind of like to go fast. I have to be very careful though, because he likes to go fast too. Um, he, if we don't have to stop, if I didn't make him stop, he wouldn't stop unless it was too hot out. Um, so I just have to be mindful of the fact of like the temperatures. Um, we went in August this last year of 2020 and it wasn't, too hot we picked a pretty mild weekend to go um so the temperatures were pretty temperate but um i have to be really mindful of the temperatures for him because he can overheat really easily so we would start early in the day um hike until at lunchtime take a break and then we'd finish off the rest of the day um after that um and then um paw care i have to be really careful about paw care because he doesn't really like to wear boots um i really have to force him to um especially in the, in the wintertime with all the snow and ice. Um, but with the hotness of like rocks in the summertime on that trail and the ash and stuff, I just had to be really careful about his paw care and stuff. Yeah. Does he walk really funny in his booties for the first uh, quarter mile? Yeah. It's kind of like he's wearing moon boots or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it described as, you know, people talk about hiking your own hike. Um, but when you have a dog with you, you have to hike your dog's hike. Yes. Yeah. So he's always in front. Um, and I just kind of watch him and watch his body language and, um, how often he's like, will be, um, like every time we come to water, like sometimes he won't drink because he doesn't need it and stuff. But if I notice he's stopping at every water source, I'm like, okay, we should probably take a longer break, um, and let the heat of the day kind of pass us and then pick up later. So just being really mindful of what his pace is and how he's feeling. Mm-hmm. And you said, I think you referenced your dog's gear and wanted to have that fit in the tent. What kind of gear do you have for your dog? 
So I'm not very special about his gear. Um, he's well, just, got, just in general, you know, I don't need brand or anything, but just in general, what kind of stuff does, what is his gear? He's very minimal. So his okay. gear will just be his pack. Um, so there's two side pockets on each side. And then I put a collapsible bowl on each side. So it's even, and then one side will have his food rations. And then the other side will have his, um, waste bags and, um, his treats and then usually one of his chewing toys for nighttime. Um, and then I also make sure that he carries his own stuff because I'm not going to carry it. <laughs> so after he goes, um, I carry a uh, resealable oh, Ziploc that stuff. bag. Yeah, that, that, stuff. that stuff. Got it. Yeah. So I, I'll carry a reusable Ziploc bag that has his name on it. So I don't get it confused with my snack reusable bags. <laughs> it's important. That's very yeah. important. Um, so that, that, he might, can carry... that might actually be a pro tip right there. Yeah, that might be. Yeah. Make sure you label. Um, but yeah, so that way throughout the hike, it kind of stays even like he eats the food, but then he goes to the bathroom. So it kind of just balances out. Right. So he is, he, he's an ultralight through hike. He's an, he's an ultralight. Yeah. Got it. Got it. <laughs> okay. Now, um, how much, did, how much did that original kit weigh your, on your, your first uh, overnight experience, all that gear? What oh. do you think? I would probably guess about 40 pounds. Yeah. 40 pounds on a, on a five foot five frame. That's yeah. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Especially so for my first, um, overnighter and it was, it's eight miles each way. So right. it was a, a decent amount. <laughs> and so how, how has your gear evolved? How did, how did it look when you were on the PCT? What things did you change and how much did it end up weighing? I, um, once I realized I was going to give this a fair shot, um, I really did my research to see what kind of stuff I would want to take. Um, and I realized what I had wasn't probably going to work or at least I wouldn't be very happy or nice person on trail because I'd be so mad about how heavy my pack is. So I started doing research and I found out like the frameless packs, how like popular they are with through hikers and uh, the Dyneema and the all sorts of different crazy things that are out there. And then I just kept watching the sales again, like I did before. And I looked for um, like the Black Friday, uh, Cyber Monday stuff, Thanksgiving sales, the, um, the uh, what's it called? Like the consignment on online stores, people have the like consignment stuff with mm -hmm. um, UL gear. So I looked for that. So it actually eventually evolved into me getting um, a granite gear backpack. Um, it's a frameless pack. It's a Crown 60. That's what and I it's, it's awesome. Yep, I did love the entire it. PCT with it. Nothing broke on it. It was perfect. It's still in my back. It's still in my closet. So yeah, it's a great pack. Um, I ended up taking the little like plastic uh, frame at the back of it. That's supposed to like kind of help with the rigidity of it. Um, but other than that, it was all stock. I left it all the way it was. No buckles broke, nothing. Um, so that ended up being my main piece of the pack uh, for the big three. And then I ended up getting a big Agnes. Um, I ended up getting a men's bag. It was a down bag because for me, I thought if it's a little bit wider in the shoulders, that'll help me um, not feel so constrained, I guess, while I'm sleeping and then give me more room if I were to have to bundle up at night in the Sierra. Um, and then I ended up getting a, 
thinking back, this is a really bad idea, but I ended up getting a Thermores Delight Soul instead of the, taking the ProLite with me. So I thought I could sleep in a foam pad and I thought like I'd be so tired at night from doing like 25, 30 miles that just sleeping on a little piece of cardboard would be great. And it wasn't, it was terrible. <laughs> I don't recommend <laughs> anybody do it. Um, it didn't matter how tired I was. I, you, it sucked. I hated it. So unfortunately I had shipped my ProLite in my bear can to Kennedy Meadows though. So I kind of just had to rough it out. Oh, I didn't have to. I kind of forced myself to rough it out so that I could always remember, don't do this again. Pack an air pad. Yeah, um, so, you, so you just roughed it. You roughed it for the first 700 miles? First 700 miles was just on the Z-Light Soul. And it was, it was torture, but I did it to myself because I wanted to remember, don't do this again. Pack an air pad. Yeah, you know, I think that's something that we haven't talked a lot about on this podcast, and that uh -huh. is sleeping on the trail and that you know i i always have problems sleeping on the trail i i you know i, I like you would think that you you'd be exhausted and it wouldn't uh -huh. matter you just you would turn in and uh you'd be out until the next morning and it's always a, a challenge for me to fall asleep i'm always tossing and turning and thinking and mm -hmm. trying to get comfortable and uh sounds like a similar experience for you yeah and it it helped a lot to get a different pad, to be honest. Um, I slept a lot better once I got that. Um, but I do know what you mean. Like sometimes I'm out there and I do toss and I turn and I'm not really that worried about hearing stuff. Um, I do a lot of stuff alone anyway, so I'm not really too worried about like wondering what sounds are, but I just find myself thinking about like, oh, where am I going to stop tomorrow or how, how can I cut some miles off here and get to town sooner or mm -hmm. your mind just keeps going. Um, so it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you go home from work and you don't leave work there, you bring it home with you. It's kind of how I feel like when you go to sleep on the trail, you're like, okay, just compartmentalize, go to sleep. Don't think about <laughs> tomorrow's work that you have to do. Right. So. Right. And so how much did, how much did the, 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 gear way on the PCT? Uh, my base weight ended up being about just over 17 pounds. Um, so that didn't include any of the water or the other consumables for food. And I don't carry fuel, so there's no fuel there. So about 17 pounds. Big difference between 40 and 17. Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot I changed and a lot I cut out. Yeah. Let's talk about something you cut out. What, what did you say? Hey, I don't need this. I'm not going to bring this. I'm not carrying this another foot. Well, okay. Well, from the first backpacking or when I started the PCT and then what did I cut? Well, uh, let's start with from your first trip that something you brought that you said, uh, you know, I know better now. I'm not going to bring it on the PCT. Let's talk about that first. And then second, okay. you can tell us what you said. Uh, I can't believe I brought this on the PCT. I'm not, I'm not carrying it another foot. Okay. Uh, from my first trip, I thought I should bring like a spare blanket for some reason. <laughs> so I brought what would equate to, I guess, like a little beach blanket, that sort of thing. It, it didn't, doesn't weigh that much, but it's, I believe it's strapped to the outside of my pack in the picture. So it's like, what is it doing? Like, I'm not, I don't need this. <laughs> so that got cut. Um, and then the PCT cut was... The first hundred miles, I um, once I got to Warner Springs, which is where a lot of people kind of ditch a lot of things and change stuff out. I ditched camp shoes. I thought I would take 
camp shoes and need those at night. Um, and then I ditched my pillow. I actually gave my pillow to somebody because somebody lost theirs. And I was like, well, you can have this because I don't, I don't want it. It's going to go in the hiker box. So I'm um, your trail angel. <laughs> was it a camp pillow or was it like it a was. pillow? No, not a pillow. It was okay. a camp pillow. Okay. It was a sea to summit camp pillow. Yeah. Clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> we we, uh, we had a novice hawk, hiker with us on the John Muir Trail one year and he was a big guy, big strapping guy. And he brought all kinds of stuff, including a pillow pillow and several oh, towels dear. Um, and we, I'm trying to tell him, Hey, you, you're not, you don't want to bring that. You don't want to carry that along. And he didn't yeah. believe us until the, the afternoon of day one. And he decided that's, that's probably right. Yeah. I shouldn't bring that. Oh, somewhere. geez. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. All right. So as you did your research and your prep for the PCT, what kind of, what kind of resources were you looking at to get ready? Um, one of the main ones I looked at was um, Halfway to Anywhere. Um, he's got a bunch of like data, data like collections over the years because he's done a lot of different hikes. Um, but he would go over every year what people were was bringing on the trail. Maybe he'd break it down by like their cook system, their sleep system, uh, the clothes they wear, um, the food they resupply, when they resupply, how much they resupply. Um, so I really paid attention to that to see like how I wanted not only how to pack um, and how to buy gear, but then how I want my hike to kind of plan out as far as like what stops do I want to make. Um, and yeah. and Skittle, sort of Skittle, you have to you have to vouch for me here that we did not plan okay. this. We did not talk about this in advance. This was not a setup. But for okay. those listeners out there who want to access more information about Halfway Anywhere and uh, the host of that website, Mac, uh, yeah. you can listen to episode forty-five in season one of the John Freaking Muir Pod. Oh, I think okay. it's forty. I think it's episode forty-five. It's around. It's in. It's in the forties. Uh, okay. we, had, we had Mac on and uh, he was a fantastic guest and, and shared a lot of cool stories with us. Yeah. Yeah. I, did, I, did, great I, did, I didn't set you up on that. I no, didn't tell you no, to say that. You didn't promise. Scott's okay. honor. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He was a huge resource of mine. And then I, um, I, there's a girl that did it the year before me. Her name's Starburst. You've probably heard of her. The whimsical woman. Yes. Um, I paid attention to a lot of her vlogs um to decide certain things as well just being a solo female hiker um to kind of get an idea of what that might be like so i was trying to gauge all sorts of different facets of preparing for it okay and how about any adventure media out there did you watch any youtube videos or read any books or documentaries I didn't read any books. Um, I haven't even read Cheryl Strayed's book, um, and I've only seen clips of her movie. Um, I read or I watched a lot of the vlogs that were done by Starburst, um, and then I watched a handful of them from the Trucks, uh, the Trucks channel, and then I also looked at a couple things. Um, what's that website? can't think of the website right now where I found them at, but I found, I found these one videos that this, um, this older lady had done about doing the hike. Um, but she was pretty helpful too, as far as, um, food supply and stuff like that and resupplying and where to stop and what's 
uh, worth sending a box here, there, and everywhere. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, though, we're going to get down to uh, the nitty-gritty of uh, Little Skittles uh, PCT hike. We're going to find out the decision to go from doing an overnight hike two years previous to saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hike 2,600 miles from Mexico <laughs> to Canada. And we're going to hear about this, this novel concept of cold soaking your food. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Hey, Hiker Trash, this is Ginger Balls. You're listening to the John Frickin' Mir Podcast. And welcome back. We're talking to Little Skittle. And I find it odd. I haven't talked to many people who have gone from just a single overnight hike to a 2,600-mile through hike. Um, and so I'm, I'm really curious as to what, what caused you to make that leap and what was the time period in which uh, you went from, okay, I'm going to do it uh, to actually stepping foot on the, on the PCT down in Campo, Mexico. And I know that a lot of people out on the trail, we've talked to a lot of people who were figuring stuff out while they're on these long hikes. I'm wondering if that was, if there was any, any of that in your background where you, you needed to figure some stuff out or if there was a major life change. Um, so Take us through that, if you will. Yeah, so um, I guess I really entertained the idea of the PCT um, after that first backpacking trip and thought like, yeah, I'd be maybe interested in that. So I did a couple other things in the meantime. I summited a couple of volcanoes here in Washington. I did a longer through hike. Um, and I had a job uh, for seven years that 
was really running me ragged. I wasn't getting um, the support from them. I wasn't being paid fairly. I was actually kind of being discriminated against as far as my pay versus similar males pay and his benefits and stuff. And so it kind of just came to a head um, in 2018, I guess. Um, my boyfriend had gone down to San Diego for a job and he said, I want you to come down here, take a break, take a couple days. And then he drove down there and he was going to drive back. And so he said, why don't you fly down here, hang out with me for a couple of days, take some, take a breather. And then you can drive back with me and we can stop wherever you want, go to Redwoods, go to Yosemite, whatever. So I went down there and I just started watching Starburst vlogs about it. And we ended up stopping in um, Kings Canyon National Forest and I saw the PCT and it kind of just hit me and I told him, what would you say if I said I'm going to leave for six months and go hike? And he said, do whatever you want to do. Do if it's going to make you happy, if it's going to bring you joy, if it's going to heal you mentally and um, emotionally, I think absolutely I'll support you 100%. So it was in February of 2018, I decided this is going to be a real thing and next year is the year. So I went back to uh, Washington, we drove home and I went back to work uh, as normal. Um, I didn't say anything quite yet because it was still off, you know, off in the distance. And I finally came out around just before the holidays because it gets really busy. I was working in the restaurant industry and I'm a manager. And seven years at a restaurant management job is kind of like a lifetime. <laughs> um, so I, right before the holidays, I told them this is going to be my last holidays. Um, I can't do this anymore. I really appreciate the opportunity you gave me here. Um, I worked up from being a hostess to the management. Um, so I'd let them know I appreciate it, but I need to go do this for me. Um, I had a breaking point pretty much in my mental health um, and it was showing in my physical health. I'd gone to the dentist and found out that I was grinding my teeth at night and that four of my molars in the back of my mouth were cracked and needed to have crowns. And I also had my very good friend of five or six years, who's my hairdresser, do my hair. Uh, she cut it and did some stuff to it and found three bald spots in my head because I was having hair loss of all the stress. So I just thought, okay, I need to just start over, clean slate and figure out what works for me. Um, and I was also um, in a really bad spot with my um, recovery from eating disorder. Um, I have had an eating disorder for about 12 years now, since I turned 21. Um, I'm gonna be 33 this year. Yeah, 33. Um, and all the stress and all that kind of made me relapse pretty hard. And I realized that, um, this might be the best thing for me. You know, I've tried therapy, I've tried counseling, I've tried um, books and meditations and all sorts of different things. Um, so I just thought maybe this will help me because I love hiking so much. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I come home and I find something else that will try to work. So I end up giving it a shot and I had nothing to lose really. And so there wasn't any hesitation as far as, you know, just going out there and giving it my best shot.
And what did, did it have a positive impact? It did. It did. Um, I was a little bit worried, of course, about going out there and having more relapses. Um, Cause it has, my eating disorder kind of stems from my value I put in myself. Um, Cause I see how other people I think have treated me in the past and that that's how I kind of put value on myself. Um, and then once I got out there, I didn't have those people being so negative towards me and treating me with less value than I should have for myself. And it really bolstered my confidence and the way I saw myself and where my worth was. Um, and so I didn't have those urges to, to harm myself. Um, and it made me look at my body in a whole different way that it could carry me from here to there. Um, and I saw food again as like fuel rather than this comfort crutch I would put myself on only to then, you know, hurt myself by purging um, or restricting. Um, so it definitely healed me in a way that I had hoped for, but I tried going into it. I tried not to put too much pressure on it. You know, if it happened, it happened. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But it was such an incredible change in experience for the way that my mind works and, and how I see my body and how I value it now. Yeah, we've had a number number of episodes where we have covered this topic of the kind of the transforma transformational power of being out in nature, the healing mm -hmm. uh, aspect of nature, and uh, kind of kind of resonates with that with that concept that you know people yeah. are out there working on themselves and are coming out the other side uh, the better for having had that experience out in nature. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now you, you said that, uh, you've done a lot of hiking solo. Yeah. Um, I started when I first got into the hiking, um, it was just me and my dog. I just thought it'd be something, uh, to do together to kind of have a bonding and then just be outside to try to work on commands with him and stuff. So I decided let's get into hiking. Um, and just like little things to start off with. Um, and then it just developed into bigger things and then, yeah. Um, yeah. So like you were that. you were social distancing before it was fashionable or even recommended. Yeah, yeah. My I remember my dad and my mom always kind of saying to me like you should be careful and like be aware and all this stuff and I I was, I always was. Um but I never really I don't know, I never really had uh, they had to say it to me to think I mean, I always was careful, but they were the ones that their fear or their uneasiness not about me being alone, that's where it existed. I never existed within me. I never went out there thinking, what was that or who's there? Like, I, I just went out there and enjoyed nature. I still do <laughs> alone right. a lot. Right. Now, I, as a young woman hiking solo on the trail, oftentimes out in the middle of nowhere, um, what has been... I think I know the answer to this just because I know the hiking community. What, what has been your experience out there? Have you ever ran into situations where you, you have felt unsafe or uh, unprepared? Um, I've only had that I can think of. I can only pinpoint one situation where it was very um, odd and it didn't fit the bill um, and definitely raised red flags. It was uh up in central Cascades of Washington. It was on a day hike with my dog. Um, I was alone. 
we went for the day and then um, just hung around at this lake in the winter time. I think it was like early February maybe. So there's plenty of snow. You should be dressed for the conditions. You should be aware of when the sun is setting so you can get back to the car in time. Um, and so we stayed for a while at the lake and then we came down with plenty of time to make it down before sunset so that I would still have light to do certain things and it just, you gotta time it just right. And so on my way down, um, I came across a group of girls probably in their, I would say they were high school probably, maybe 17, 18 years old, but I think there's three or four of them. And they were, I was coming up kind of fast on them, just walking. And then I was like, well, I'll just hang back a little bit and I'll let them stay in front. We're not in a rush. We have plenty of time. Um, so we were walking and then all of a sudden you could see this guy coming up the trail towards us, which I thought was quite strange given the time of the day, the conditions, it was snowy. He was in jean shorts and a t-shirt. He had no backpack. Um, the sun was set to set in probably about 45 minutes, maybe 45 minutes to an hour very soon. And we were maybe a mile from the trailhead. So if he's going to go up to the lake, which would be three more miles, it, none of it added up. He shouldn't have been out there. It was definitely a red flag. So he comes barreling up the trail towards them. And he says, I can hear him say to them, how much longer to the lake? <laughs> and that's another red flag. But you don't know how far you are already and then how long you have to go to where you're going. Like you should know your pace and that sort of thing. So I heard the girl say to him like, oh, it's, you know, you got quite a ways to go. And he's like, oh, okay, well, um, do you think I'll make it? And I remember them just saying, I, I don't know, it depends on how fast you go. And they just keep walking. They're trying not to really engage, but still talk and be cordial. So they just keep walking and he kind of lingers off then comes towards me. And he says the same thing. And I said, I don't know, but I don't know if I'd keep going. It's uh, gonna be sunsetting soon. And then he just kept going. And so then at that point, I, I kept turning around looking to make sure like, are you still going? Are you stopping? Are you watching me? What are you doing? So I kept looking and then I kept seeing him further and further away and then he was out of sight. And that got me spooked because I thought, okay, if I don't see you, then that's, I need to be able to see where you're coming from. <laughs> so I immediately ran up to the girls behind them and I said, I'm really sorry. I don't want to scare you. I was coming behind you and I saw the way he interacted with you. He did the same thing with me. I think that we should hike together if you're comfortable with it. We only have, you know, less than else in the car. I think it's really smart. And they said, yes, thank you. I'm, we're so glad you're here. Yes, absolutely. And they loved on my dog and they hung out with him and we walked. And less than maybe two minutes after we conjoined, he comes running down the trail behind us and we just divide like the Red Sea because we're like, you, uh, no, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. So we just divide like the Red Sea and he just like runs past us and it was very strange um, to say the least. And then we got back to the trail and we made sure all of our cars started so that we knew that we were going to be getting home safe um, and that we all got to our cars safely. So it was, it was scary, um, but it was luckily the only time that something like that's ever happened to me. Yeah, that is. Yeah. So it's it's good you you pay attention to the warning signs and it's it's you, you have to focus out there you can't just uh yeah. fall into a state of 
unawareness of your surroundings and how people should be acting and, and what's going on around you. So that's a, yeah. an excellent lesson for our listeners out there. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I also don't hike with headphones in. Um, I mean, well, two reasons. I love hearing the sounds of the world, like outside the birds and the trees and the wind and all that stuff. But I also want to hear other things. Like if someone's yelling for help or someone running towards me or um, anything, I just, I want to be able to hear what's going on. So I don't like to hike with headphones at all. Mm-hmm. Now I asked that question because I wanted to get to the point of overall in general, the hiking community is so welcoming and protective of each other and caring for each other and giving uh, to one another. I mean, if, if yeah. you need something out on the trail and you ask a, a hiker that you just come across, odds are they're going to do what, whatever they can to help you out. Yes. And so Absolutely. I would imagine that your experience as a young woman on the trail has been uh, probably for the, you know, extremely positive and supported out there and, and, the hiking community has, has taken care of each other. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely will attest to that. It's been um, a very welcoming experience coming into not only just hiking, but also through hiking because through hiking is kind of a um, not elite, but just it's a select group of people um, that really get into it. Um, and it's, it's been very, very welcoming. I've been really, really, really happy with becoming a part of that community. And I love hearing more people get into it too. Cause I, as soon as people, they'll send me messages and say, Hey, do you mind if, if I ask you a question? I'm like, no, please let's talk. I love, I love to talk about the trail. What do you need help with? So it's great. I love it. Okay. Now let's get down to what's important here. Okay. Cold soaking. Yes. <laughs> so, so you're the first cold soaker I've had on the pod. I've, I've talked to other other hikers out there about whether or not they, they cold soak, and they've all of have looked at me with a crazy look in their eyes, saying, "Are you kidding? Who would cold soak? That's that's ridiculous." And so here we do. Here we are. We've got a cold soaker on the show. Uh, tell us about the. Tell us what it is first of all, and how you do it, and what what are the what are the benefits in your mind of being a cold soaker. Okay, so I I love to cook. Don't get me wrong, and I can cook. I'm definitely a really good cook. You can ask my boyfriend. Um, I just feel like I want something very convenient on the trail, and I don't want to worry about the gas, if it's low, if, it, if I'm out, that sort of thing. Um, and I just decided in on the PCT, I'm not going that far in the first stretch, whereas I can't just try it out. And if I don't like it, I'll switch. I'll get a stove. Um, But essentially cold soaking is you have a container or a vessel of some sort. I personally um, will force myself to eat a Talenti ice cream. I know it sounds disgusting, but um, just kidding. Talenti is great. So I buy a Talenti jar of ice cream. You don't want to lose that sponsorship. (laughs) No, I don't. So I'll, I'll get a, a jar of ice cream, I'll eat it, and then that's my um, measurement, I guess you would say. So what I'll do is um, I'll put like little markers on the, um, on the container. Usually it's a piece of tape because um, the permanent marker and stuff will wear off. So I'll take a piece of tape or a sticker and I'll put it to where I need to put um, levels for water and then other levels for say ramen, um, quinoa or sometimes I do mashed potatoes. I put it on there in the beginning just to see if I'd eat them. I 
don't eat them though, but I still have that there just in case. What if the only thing I have on me is potatoes? I obviously need to eat. So <laughs> um, I'll put a level on there with a sticker, a piece of tape to know the, the ratios. And then what happens is um, about, it depends on how you want your stuff cooked. 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 So, yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the sweet spot for me, I like my ramen to be, ramen's my number one cold soaking meal. So I'll go with that. Ramen, when I cold soak it, needs to be soft, but still have some texture to it. I don't want it to be mush. I don't want it to be breaking apart, disintegrating. So for me, it has to be about 20 minutes from camp, roughly. Um, and usually I'll try to time that with the right water source. So before camp, I'm eyeing like what water source would be my last water source, unless of course I go to camp and there's water there. Um, so 20 minutes before camp, I figure out my water idea. And if I need to get water, I do the cold soaking at that point. And so I'll fill it all up. I'll put the ramen and everything in there. And then I shake it up and I just put it in my side pocket of my backpack. I go to camp. And by the time I get to camp, I'm ready to eat. So I'm able to eat. And I'm not sitting at my tent being hangry, waiting for my food to boil or my water to boil. And I'm getting upset because my tent stakes are pulling out because I haven't had my food yet. Um, so that's why I cold soak. Um, it's just convenient and it's relatively quick, 20 minutes. I feel like that's the same kind of thing for if you got all your cook system set up and boiled it and, and mixed it and then closed it up and let it percolate or whatever it does. Um, that's just, it just works for me and I didn't change it and it, I like it. <laughs> so no stove, no fuel canisters, no nope. wondering if it's out or if it's not out. Yep. Um, and it's just, it's doing its job in the side of your bag on the side as you're hiking, as you're heading yep. into camp and it's ready to go as soon as you, as soon as you get there. And of course it's yep. cold. It, it, it is a, but it, that's the thing. It's not cold though. Like a lot of people think it's cold and yes, I mean, I guess it depends on the water you use. Like I'll even say in the Sierra when we were covered in nothing but snow and we had little trickles of water here and there and I use that to cold soak after 20 minutes okay you'd put it like in your sleeping bag after like 20 minutes and it's done soaking it's actually like room temperature it's it's not cold like I'm not eating a frozen piece of ramen or anything it's it's edible I will say that and everything tastes way better when you're backpacking for seven days <laughs> promise you <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. So we're going to come to our first impromptu top five list here. Okay. Okay. So what I want to hear from little Skittle, what are your top five cold soak meals? Uh, first is ramen. Um, any ramen really. I like them all. Um, I will say uh, the best combination of them because I do, I, I eat more than one at a time. I'll eat two. So Usually my top is shrimp and uh, chicken. Those go really well together. Shrimp and, and chicken ramen. Shrimp, shrimp and chicken ramen. Okay. And then um, sometimes I'll put tuna in it. So that could be another combination. So you could do regular tuna. You could do uh, a really good one would be um, shrimp ramen with Thai chili tuna. It's really good. And if you want to get really, really like bon appetit with it, you could put some peanut butter in it and you make it like a backpackers cheapo pad thai. That works. Nice. Um, outside of those ramen kind of things, I do like quinoa a lot too, but quinoa 
kind of irritates me <laughs> because they're just these small little things and I pack them in a Ziploc bag and if it's not sealed just right, you lose all of your all of your food. It's gone. I mean, unless you're going to scrape it up with all the dirt and bugs and stuff, which to each their own, but ramen is just its own little brick and if it falls on the ground, you just take it back up and put it in your backpack. Um, but for the times that I do bring quinoa, I really do like it. And I'll pack it out with, um, some of them you can buy just plain quinoa and then other ones you can buy that have like the flavoring with them. So there's like a Parmesan olive oil one that's really good. Um, and then there's, uh, what's the other one? There's a mushroom, truffle mushroom one that's really good too. Um, and again, I'll just mix those with tuna, um, any tuna really. Um, a lot of my protein comes from tuna, like all of it comes from tuna and peanut butter. Um, but I did get into the, they have, so Starkist is one of the major tuna companies. Starkist started doing uh, the chicken packets now, kind of like the tuna. Mm -hmm. And so they have a buffalo chicken one that's really good as well. So. Those would be my, my cold soaking. Oh, and I guess usually I do like bars for breakfast. Um, I don't really wake up and have like a spread or like, I don't even have coffee. Um, I'm just a coffee drinker at home. So in the morning, it's usually a bar, but if I cold soak, I really do like cold soak oatmeal. That's really good. Okay. And that so you can either do 20 minutes before, or you can do it the night before. Okay. So it sounds like the choices for cold soak are some type of ramen with tuna or some mm -hmm. kind of quinoa with tuna or chicken mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and some oatmeal. Yes. Any other options out there? Well, not for me. Okay. <laughs> um, people do talk about ramen bombs a lot. Have you heard of that? I have heard of ramen bombs. Let's, uh, let's tell our listeners what a ramen bomb is. So a ramen bomb is not my cup of tea, but it's a lot of through hikers cup of tea because it packs a lot of calories and energy. Um, and it, it just sticks to your ribs and you really need that when you're doing huge miles. Um, so you take instant potatoes, which I'm just not a fan of, even in real life, if it's cooked in a real kitchen, I'm not a fan of it, I like actual potatoes. Um, so you take your instant potatoes and you take your ramen and you cook that together and that is your ramen bomb. And it is very dense, like very, very, very dense. <laughs> I feel like you have to like take a bite and then take a drink of water and just, alternate and get that really digested down <laughs> yeah sounds very filling sounds like it would stick to your ribs yes yes very good okay so you make the decision you're going to hike the pct uh make it in february of the year before so february 2018 you get all your mm -hmm. gear you plan out your food um you live in washington obviously that's what you've said mm -hmm. how do you get from washington down to campo and Let's talk about the the details of the trip. How many how how long were you out on the trip out on the trail? What was your average mileage per day? What was your longest day? Those kinds of things. So logistics getting from Washington down to Campo and then uh, kind of mileage and duration. Okay. Yeah. I um I flew down there with my boyfriend um the morning I was supposed to start on April the third. I knew that just from researching that the terminus is very, very popular in the morning time, right around sunrise to like just before lunchtime. And then because of the heat and stuff that's down there at lunchtime, it kind of peters out 
And then there might be a few people for like late afternoon to start their hikes into the sunset. But um, I knew that I wanted, since I'm starting alone, I wanted to just kind of start alone. I didn't, I didn't want to be around a bunch of people I don't know yet. I just wanted to just go out there and act like it's just a day hike and not really like just feel it out, just do it. So we flew down there, we flew into San Diego, we rented a rental car and he drove me to the terminus and we said our goodbyes. And um, yeah, that's just where everything took off. Um, I had my first night on trail was uneventful. Um, I got about seven, just over seven miles in after starting at 3 p.m. And all of the campsites were taken <laughs> and it was getting dark and I got really worried that I was going to have to just um, self camp, which is what ended up happening. But I was lucky and found a, a relatively flat spot to make it work. Um, and then I ended up spending 135 days on the trail, which um, people have said it's a pretty fast uh, pace that I had, especially given the fact that I didn't skip or flip or anything. I just went right through everywhere. So 135 um, days, that's, that is uh, a little over four months. Yeah, just a little over four months. Um, and so we, uh, I, oh, and I also entered, uh, you're supposed to not go, well, they don't recommend you go into the Sierra until late June for the snow melt and stuff. Um, we ended up saying, whatever, let's just go. <laughs> so we ended up going through um, May 12th. We left on Mother's Day. We called all our, our moms and said, we love you. We'll see you on the other side. And uh, it ended up working out. There's a couple mishaps um, that involved. Um, I... Well, hold on to the mishaps. Hold on okay. to the mishaps because I do have some, I do have a question about uh-oh moments on the trail. That might be a okay. good place for those. And so what was your, what was your uh, average day in terms of mileage? What did that look like? Um, usually it would be at least 20. Um, when I started out, even in the beginning, my first big day was I think day four, I had like a 27 mile day. Um, so I started out pretty big. So I was wanted to aim for at least 20 and then it started going to 25 and then it started going to 30. Um, of course it slows down when you get to the Sierra and you have to deal with the snow travel. Um, but my biggest day ended up being um, in Oregon. Um, ended up doing the Oregon challenge, which is where you challenge yourself to finish all the miles of Oregon in two weeks. And so my biggest day there was uh, just over 40. I think it was 41 and a half miles was my biggest day. So wow, I think I awesome. averaged, I want to say, if, I mean, if you average the days I actually spent hiking with the miles I did, I want to say it was probably like 24 miles a day, maybe, roughly. 40, 40 something miles in a day. That is, that is crazy. Yeah, well, when you have mosquitoes eating you alive and the water sources suck, it's just standing water basically, and uh, you want to finish that challenge, you're stubborn. It happens. <laughs> I, 
I had not heard of the Oregon Challenge before. That's interesting. Oregon Challenge finished the state of Oregon in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to finish the state of Oregon in two weeks. Um, so that entails a lot of logistics as far as where you're going to resupply, um, making sure you get into town at the right time if you're picking up a package or shopping at the store, that sort of thing. So. All right. And when you started the trail, did you run into Scout and Frodo? Have you heard of them? I've heard of them and I, I read about them beforehand, um, which is why I knew that the Terminus would be popular in the morning because they always do that first morning trip for the sunrise. Um, but I never ended up running into them at all. No. Yeah, I had I had uh, Scout on the podcast uh, back in season one to talk about his book, Journeys North, his, oh, his yeah. uh, PCT memoir of his 2007 trip. Incredible book. And he's just an incredible guy. And the yeah. fact that they host, you know, uh, first time PCT hikers every year at their house and then transport them down to, to Campo is uh, pretty spectacular, I think. Yeah. And they help them do all their errands beforehand. They help like the international ones go get their cell phones. And yeah, they're awesome people. Yep. All right. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into the nitty gritty, this time for real, the nitty gritty of the <laughs> PCT hike. Uh, we're going to try and pin down Little Skittle on some of her favorite memories from that PCT hike and talk to her about her upcoming challenges and what's next. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Mac from Halfway Anywhere, and you're listening to the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome back. Talking a little skittle about her 2019 PCT through hike. And, you know, before I forget, I want to ask you, um, in the desert, when you started off from mm -hmm. Mexico, any concern, any worry about snakes? No, and I, that was one of the things I was really looking forward to. I've always wanted to see a rattlesnake, always. Um, I've done some hiking in eastern Washington where you should see them uh, certain times of the year, and I still never have. So I thought, oh, this is going to be it. I mean, you're going to the desert in California. You're going to see, like, multiple every day. No. <laughs> never, never saw one um, the entire desert. Um, I only saw one uh, just after leaving Kennedy Meadows, actually. So we weren't even in the desert really anymore. But for some reason, there was a rattlesnake just after leaving Kennedy Meadows that uh, I was about middle of the group of our group of eight. And the guys in the very beginning saw it. And then they like it had slithered off. And once we caught up to him, he's like, yeah, it's right over there. And you could kind of see it, but it wasn't what I was hoping for. I was hoping to like walk, walk by one on trail and hear it rattle and no. So unfortunately. You're a thrill seeker. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty anticlimactic from what you were yeah, expecting. So. It was. Now you mentioned eight guys or eight people in your group. How long did you, mm -hmm. did you hike solo on the PCT and when did you meet up with your trail family and uh, who did that include? Give them a shout out. So I started solo and then I didn't meet up and hike with a group until about 350 miles, which is about Silverwood or no, 250 is Silverwood Lake. That's where I met up with 
um, Jade, she goes by Darth Jader on trail and St. Nick. Um, I met those two um, at the lake. We hiked out together with um, this other gentleman. I can't remember his name. It's evading me right now. But anyways, he was only with us um, until Idlewild, so it was a very short distance. So he wasn't part of the, we were called the Hateful Eight. Um, he wasn't part of the Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight ended up convening in Idlewild um, when we summited Baden-Powell. Um, so it included me, Jade, St. Nick, a gentleman by the name of Davy Jones. He- um, From the Monkees? No, from, uh, what's that movie? Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> um, and, oh. See, I just showed off my age right there. I, I showed off the age difference between the two of us. You said, you said pirates, I said the monkeys. You probably don't know who the <laughs> monkeys are. Um, I can't, I'm having like a brain freeze on everybody else. Oh, Marky Mark, um, he's from Australia. Um, Colin was from uh, Liverpool and oh man I'm, I can't remember the other ones right now you know who oh, I, I, didn't I, didn't hear, I didn't hear I didn't hear ginger balls well he wasn't really part of the family because he oh. he went super solo like after after the, so the warrior expeditions I guess only hike for like a Two weeks together or 10 days and then they let them just run amok and do their own find their own selves out there so after their his group let him go he pretty much just took off um so i would leapfrog him every now and then and come across him um but we didn't hike together until um he caught me for my birthday in washington so that's when we linked back up together got it okay all right now the PCT being 2,600 miles long and going from Mexico to Canada crosses a great variety of terrain and different mm -hmm. ecological systems. Did you have a particular favorite part of the trail that stood out in your memory? I will say um, it's hard to choose because I, I liked a lot. I liked every bit of the trail. Every, every environment I came across, I loved. Um, but I think the most memorable one that I'm really appreciative of having gone through and uh, survived <laughs> um, was the Sierra. Uh, not a lot of people went through as early as we did. Um, a lot of them, there's a lot of fear mongering going on saying that you shouldn't or it's dangerous, you'll die, you can, there's no way to resupply, you're not going to make it. Um, people, people saying, I mean, there were people that had gone through and no one had heard if they made it out, um, there was a gentleman, I think that they know for sure he went in and they never found him. And they say, his family says, yeah, he's, he's we don't know either. Um, so it was really special to me to see that I went through something so challenging, not just physically, but like mentally, thinking that I'm strong enough to do this and I'm capable. Um, that's something that I will treasure for a long time. and. I'll tell stories of forever, I think. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to pin you down. I, I know that, uh, since this is the John freaking Muir pod, mm -hmm. 
our listeners uh, have a tight connection to the John Muir Trail, which is a subsection of the Pacific Crest Trail in the Sierras. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm happy to hear you say that the Sierras were, were a favorite, was a favorite section for you. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's just an absolute, absolutely gorgeous place to, yeah. to spend, spend your free time. Um, what, what were the highlights in the Sierras? Do you have, do you have a top three or a top five sites in the Sierras or moments yeah. in the Sierras? Yeah, I would say um, a lot of them were like, uh, yeah, <laughs> trying to use the right words. A lot of them were like an oh shoot moment, like crap. Um, uh-oh moment. First, yeah, uh-oh moment. Uh-huh. Um, the first one being the most memorable part of it was um, outside of Tuolumne, we started experiencing actual snow melt. Um, from the time we left Kennedy Meadows up until that point, we'd seen pretty much no water. It was all snow. Um, we got in a couple of whiteout situations, um, but we ended up finally doing some river crossings because of the snow melt in Tuolumne, which is pretty common. And I forget the, I forget the crossing we had to do, but it was just, our group had dwindled down to just four of us. It was me and Jade and St. Nick and Davy Jones. And we got to this river crossing. We're trying to figure out the best route to get across. And um, the guys go one way, us girls go the other way. And we just kind of look around. And then Davy Jones comes to get Jade and I and say, hey, we found a log we can cross. We've already done it. Just come back and follow me. I'll show you. So we follow him and we get to this log and it's at like this. You have to walk down it. And it's one of those for, for our <laughs> listeners who aren't watching on YouTube, she's holding her hand at okay. like a, a 30 degree angle in terms of yeah. what the log looks like or, or, yeah, or so greater, you, maybe 40. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a decent decline down the log that is twisted. It's one of those twisted trees that you'd see in the Sierra a lot. Um, very knotty and the branch, none of the branches have been broken off. So all the branches are there and they're all sticking out every which way. And underneath it is this raging river. It's so loud. I like it's about, I would say 12, 12 to 15 feet across is the log that you have to cross to get to the other side. And Nick is already on the other side. He's yell, he's he has to yell to us and I can barely hear him over the river. And Davy Jones is right next to us trying to relay what he's saying. And he's trying to tell us, you know, just focus on the log and just take your time and all this stuff. And so I watch him go across and he's six, I think Davy Jones is like six, two or six, three, he's tall. And he walks across like this graceful gazelle, like it's not a big deal and like steps over these branches. I'm like, uh, okay, my turn. (laughs) So I just kind of like, okay, you got this. Like I give myself a pep talk inside and I'm like, okay, don't show on the outside that you're freaking out and you're going to be fine. No one's going to, no one's going to know. And then I go to cross and I get about halfway across and I lose focus of the log and I start to see the water underneath and I see it's just, it's just gushing by. And I just look up and St. Nick um, is looking across from me on the other side and he's just yelling at me in a nice way. (laughs) Like, it's okay. Take your time. Take your breath. Like it's, you're okay. And he's, he's like, just take it step by step. And I immediately froze at that point. 
and I could not move. And I just sat there and I stared at him and I, I just was helpless. Like I, I, I couldn't move. I was so frozen. I was like, if I take one step, I'm going to fall and I'm going to go right in the river. And I don't what, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be bad. <laughs> and I just sat there for the longest time, which was probably maybe only two minutes, maybe, but I could feel like the fibers of my leg muscles start to twitch and I could feel them kind of start to like falter and like, I'm just like moments away from falling. And I just keep thinking to myself, like either go or just fall, but like fall with intent, like fall with like, you're going to your life. <laughs> and so I ended up blocking out. I don't remember falling. I remember coming to, and I'm clinging to this tree and my face is turned upstream. So I'm looking at the river coming at me and it's maybe only two and a half feet below me. Like it's very close. Um, but one of my feet has, is drenched. So I know that part of, like part of my leg got in the water and I like look up and I see St. Nick, he's crawling out onto the log to get me. And he grabs me by my pack straps to make sure he's got me. Um, and he ends up slowly getting me across the log and I get to the other side and they like make sure like I'm okay. And I had, uh, this side of my face hit the log that took the hugest brunt of it of the hit my entire face was black and blue the next day um i got pictures and video of that um the so inside you, of my you mouth broke your fall you broke your fall with your face my face broke my fall oh, yep nice. my leg broke the fall <laughs> it was great um it basically felt like i got hit by like mike tyson is what it felt like it felt my whole face is numb until we got to camp which was about 20 minutes later um, and then Jade, poor Jade was on the other side of the river and she's like bawling cause she just watched this happen. She's like, I can't go across that. So that was a pretty traumatic experience that every time they came to water after that, like I would just hear it come up in the distance and I'm looking at gut hook and I'm, I'm immediately crying cause I'm thinking it's going to happen again. It was terrible. That was, uh, yeah. That is quite the uh-oh moment. Yeah. It was very scary. Very scary. And I lost my hat. Sucks. So. <laughs> so you have to tell us how did how did uh, Darth Jader get across? Um, she ended up taking it very slowly, and I want to say halfway through, right around where I stopped, I believe she started crawling over. Yeah. So, poor girl. Sorry. Yeah, the, the old <laughs> the old uh, crawl on the log, or the, uh, or doing the the butt scooch on the log. That's yeah. uh, a common sight out there sometimes. Yeah. All right. What well, other other memories of the Sierras or other uh oh moments? Um, we oh we decided to try to summon Mount Whitney. Um, we rolled up to Whitney um, a day before we thought we were going to get there because once you get into the Sierra, you're kind of thinking in your head, okay, if we if we do an X amount more miles a day, we could get to town one day sooner. We could get town food and a shower. So that's what ended up happening and we getting to Whitney a day earlier, um, which was helpful in the fact that if we gotten there as we had planned, it would have been a whiteout, so we wouldn't have had the chance to summit. So instead we decided to race the weather window to try to summit Whitney, which wasn't the most smart idea, but it gave us a chance to maybe see if we could actually summit. 
So we ended up going up. We left, we got to the, um, we got to the ranger station right there and we camped, we set up our camps and we came back. We'd already just have our, our place to stay because we expected the weather to roll in. Uh, we left camp at about uh, two, or no, 11 in the afternoon. Yeah, 11 in the afternoon, we left camp to try to summit Whitney in May. We only have the weather window working against us and we have the daylight working against us. We end up only making it to the portal before the weather got really bad. Um, and it was about 3.30, 4 o'clock, I want to say. So the time of having daylight was going to start to get to us. So we decided to call it there um, so that we weren't having to press SOS on our button. Um, and that kind of was a touchy subject because we were really hoping to summit, but it'll be there. We can come back. <laughs> so when you say so, the portal, what were you referring to? So when you get up to Whitney from the PCT side, um, there's a sign for the Whitney portal. So um, that's the way that you can come up the 99 switchbacks. Right. Um, and then that gives you your final ascent to uh, the shelter and the summit. So we were about, I think it's 1.9 miles from the summit and it, it stung, it hurt, but we had to come out alive. So. <laughs> Sometimes you have to make hard decisions on the trail and exactly. you have to, yeah, hope, hopefully you make the, the, the choice on the side of safety. I know that others make, make hard decisions the other direction, but uh, yeah. you know, when you're on a 2,600 mile hike, a lot of things can go wrong and you want to mm -hmm. make sure that you're able to finish. So yeah. good, good choice, but heartbreaking choice. Yeah. Yeah. Just means I have to go back. <laughs> yep. yep. All right. There is so much that I want to talk to you about, but you know, we're, we're running, running short on time. I mm -hmm. guess uh, there's so much of the trail that we did not cover on the, on the PCT other than the Sierras. Um, you completed the Oregon challenge. So you did Oregon in two weeks. Yep. What is the main difference between say your home state of Washington on the PCT and the rest of the trail? Washington, um, it's gorgeous. I mean, the whole trail is gorgeous, but I'm very biased about Washington because I'm from here. Um, so there's that, there's that feeling of coming home. So I feel like that just amplifies the beauty of it. Um, but the, the vistas of it, like the viewpoints that you get in Washington are so amazing. Um, especially like once you get up further north, like towards, uh, you hit the Goat Rocks and you see Rainier and Adams and Mount St. Helens all in one like 360 degree spin. Um, and then you get even further north and you see Glacier Peak and you see the North Cascades. It's just jaw dropping. Even to like, even to me who's been here my entire life, it's still just wow. Every time. So it's, um, the way I describe it is like the American Alps to people who haven't been there yet. And I try to describe it to my family who I was traveling with to let them know, like, as we were going through the Sierra, they're like, wow, wow. I'm like, yeah, you guys just wait till you get to Washington. Like, you're going to be even more blown away. I promise you it's going to be amazing. And plus it'll be like actually summertime and you can go swim in the lakes. It's not going to be just covered in snow and <laughs> freezing. So yeah, Washington is, beautiful. I love that session. It's high praise. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> now, 
when I introduced you as a potential future triple crowner, your face lit up and you gave the, uh, the thumbs up, I believe. Um, the you, fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. That's what it was. So you do plan on, or you do hope to be a triple crowner. And I, I know, do. I know that you attempted uh, this year to hike the CDT and things didn't go quite right. Tell us, tell us about uh, what happened on the CDT. How far did you get and what, what turned you back? Yeah. So, um, originally my plans were actually the AT, um, and I even had my flights booked and everything for, it was middle, middle March. Um, of course that all got canceled because COVID rolled in and the air travel restrictions came up and ATC came out and gave their two cents. And I have a moral compass. Um, I have family members who are, um, they're, um, what is the word? Uh, high risk. High risk, susceptible to that sort of thing. And even thinking also, like even if I didn't, there's other people out there that you shouldn't be put at risk just because it's something that I want to go do. It's, it's like a vacation. It's not something that's necessary. Um, so it was very easy to just kind of like swallow that and be like, okay, it's not a big, like it's whatever. Like it's, you know, it's what needs to be done for the better of it all. So I wasn't that, I wasn't that heartbroken about it. Um, and then I kind of just put in the back of my mind that, okay, maybe I can make something else happen later in the year. Um, I'm not opposed to one trail next or the other. Um, I really doesn't matter which one comes next. So I played it by ear and I decided in June, I was going to give it an honest thought to do the CDT pending, um, what the rates of, of the cases were not only in like my state, but just throughout the states that I was going to be traveling through. And so, uh, I live so close that we decided we're not going to book flights. We're just going to drive over there. And if it, if it lines up and everything looks like it's okay, we're going to give it a go. And, um, we ended up driving over there on July 2nd or July 3rd, uh, or no, it was July 1st. Yeah. Cause I ended up starting on my boyfriend's birthday, which was kind of sad because that meant he had to drive home alone <laughs> from Montana. But silver lining of that is the fact that I decided eight miles into the CDT on his birthday that this wasn't it. It wasn't what I wanted to do because um, there had been quite the spike in cases and uh, we'd watched the news in the hotel room the two nights prior to me starting in Montana. Even the Montana local news was talking about all the mandates that were going to come rolling in. And, um, it just wasn't the hike that I was going to want, um, or hope for. Um, I even didn't get to start the way I wanted to, as far as, um, the Northern terminus was inaccessible because of the location of it with the Eastern part of the glacier not being open because of black, the Blackfeet nation. So it was already starting off on a bad foot as far as this isn't the way I want to start it. It's not like a, authentic feeling CDT hike. Um, I'm not even getting to start up in Glacier. I'm starting on Highway 2, I think it is, at the very end of Glacier. Um, and all the cases spiking us, that just, to me, it didn't feel right. It felt selfish. It felt, um, it just didn't feel good to me. 
And so I immediately knew like, okay, this isn't the tone I want for my hike. So, oh well. <laughs> so I ended up calling my boyfriend eight miles into the hike. Um, and he said, well, I'm already driving. <laughs> so why don't you give it, what if you give it like the first town stop and then see how you feel and then decide. And I said, begrudgingly, I said, okay. So we hung up and I keep hiking. That was at six miles. So I hang up, I keep hiking. The next two miles were just torture. And like, I have a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. And one saying hike, they're saying don't hike. And I was like, you know, if this is happening, like obviously this shouldn't be happening. So I decided mile eight, I called him and said, okay, I'm, I really hate to do this to you on your birthday, but will you turn around and get me? And it sucked. Like I, I cried some really frustrating tears um, to come back. Um, it really sucked, but honestly, there's no regret for me doing it. Like I don't wish I would have stayed out there because um, it wasn't the way I wanted it to go. And also it got worse after that as far as COVID goes. Um, so I'm pretty happy with having pulled the plug. The trail will be there. Yeah, so. I need to ask the question that all of our listeners are, are thinking right now. And that is your boyfriend, he has to get the boyfriend of the year award. <laughs> I mean, this, this guy, I've, I've, I've listened to two stories now of uh, the start of long hikes where he has driven you or gotten you to the, to the start line and then turned around and went home. And so he, he obviously is uh, not a long distance through hiker like yourself and has no interest in that. Doesn't sound no. like, uh, what, what does he think about your, your uh, obsession with the long trails? Well, he doesn't get it, obviously, <laughs> um, which Honestly, and I guess part of me, a really selfish part of me is grateful that he doesn't because when, then we don't have to share like when we each get to go do a hike, <laughs> that sort of thing, because we do have the dog. Um, and so it's quite nice to, to say that he's not into it, um, but he is absolutely the most supportive guy I think I've ever known. Um, and I'm really, really lucky because even though he doesn't understand it, he totally supports it. And he sees how happy it's made me and that it makes me a better version of myself. And that makes us a better version of us together. And so I think that's why he has accepted that part of me <laughs> and gets me to, um, or tries to help me in any way he can. It's great. Really great. Very good. Have you given him an honorary trail name? because he is such an outstanding boyfriend and a support to you and your endeavors. I haven't yet, but I should, I never really thought of that, but yeah, he's always talked about um, us doing trail magic. Um, and yeah, he, I probably should. So I'll, I'll give that some thought and, and get back to you. Should, should we brainstorm it right now? Let's, let's brainstorm sure. some trail names for, for your boyfriend. Yeah. He's um, his name is Josh. His last name is McDaniel. He's an electrician. Oh, any, any quirks, any personality quirks that uh, will help us out here? He likes to sing a lot. He knows he's like a, it's, he's like a karaoke machine in his head. Oh. That's how I describe it. Like he sings. So maybe like, I've got it. I've got it. My son, okay. my son on the trail, he could sing any song on command. 
Uh-huh. All the lyrics too. And in the in the pitch, in the exact pitch, yeah. all of it. Yeah. I, I discovered I discovered on my hikes that uh, I really don't know all of the words to any song. Except, yeah, same. Except, <laughs> except for happy birthday. I, I can sing the entirety of happy birthday, but uh, other than that, I know just a, a few, you know, a few of the choruses of a few songs. Uh -huh. I, I am, but my son, he knows every word, perfect pitch, uh, oldies, new songs, whatever, mm -hmm. classic rock, he can do it. His trail name is Jukebox. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, okay. Possibility. I like that. I think that could be a, I think that could be it. Okay. I'll run it by him. But I okay. do like to give people the opportunity to accept it. I think it's kind of part of it. That's they got to see it themselves. It's yeah. a violation. You can't do that. <laughs> that's a good one though. I do like that. I think he'll like it. Okay. All right. You'll have to let me know after uh, if, if, he, if he took to it or not. So I will. Okay. Hey, let's uh, let's speak it into existence right now. I know that when, once you publish something, it puts the pressure on yourself to follow through and, and do it. So here we are, John freaking your pod uh, with little Skittle. Let's talk about when she's doing the CDT and when she's doing the AT. So my plan for t as of today, um, I want to do the CDT this year um, and I'd like to go I really would like to go northbound. Northbound travel just sounds good to me, um, but I'm open to either. So I know I'm running short on going um, northbound at this moment because it has, like you kind of want that sweet spot of hitting that um, snow melt in Colorado. So it looks like I'll probably be going southbound because um, I do, I'm waiting to see how things roll out with the vaccine and all that. So it looks like um, more prone to doing the southbound this year at the CDT. So I intend to do that. Um, and if all that goes well, I would like to go northbound AT next year and be triple crown on the, on Katahdin. Okay. Um, so a 2021 CDT hike, mm -hmm. hopefully northbound, maybe southbound, mm -hmm. and then a 2022 AT northbound hike. Finishing and up on Katahdin. And that's non-negotiable as far as AT has to be northbound because you just have to finish on Katahdin. I feel like that is, uh, it's monumental to the, to the hike. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Ginger Balls was very graphic in his description of the start of the CDT down in, I believe it was New Mexico and the uh -huh. uh, available water sources. He was very colorful. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, <laughs> Yep. Funniest, one of the funniest guests I've had. It was hilarious talking to him and getting He's his great. insights. Yeah. Fantastic. Hey, Skittle, you know where we are? Uh, and a lot less snow than I would like to recognize, but I'm going to say it's in the Sierra somewhere, obviously. Oh, you are looking at my background. Oh, yeah. I thought that's what you're asking. That's not what I was asking, but that's, that's oh. good. Yeah. Do you recognize that? I don't because all I saw was white when I was there. <laughs> that is Evolution Lake. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Do you know where we are in the episode? Oh, um, I want to say pro tips. <laughs> that's right. The pro tip inside of the week. What uh, tip, trick, insight can you share with our listeners to make their next adventure that much better? I would say 
um, it's not as far as gear goes. It's more of being able to document your hike and remember moments. Pictures will only go so far. Um, pictures can evoke a lot from your memories. I cannot recommend enough taking video, not only of yourself. I know it's, it's very strange to see yourself on selfie and be talking to yourself and looking like you're a crazy person. But um, whether you're doing the selfie or whether you're panning the um, area you're looking at and just talking, I'm so thankful that I vlogged all of my PCT so that I can have not only the pictures I took, but also hear my voice, um, hear my voice talk in those, in those um, areas um, and be able to be right back in that moment and hear myself and hear how strong I felt and um, just being able to hear it and see it and also hear the sounds Take as much video as, as your phone will allow or your device will allow. You will you will thank yourself for it. The future you will thank you. It's an excellent pro tip. Yeah. So there you have it. That's it. Season two, episode 10 is in the books. I hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Little Skittle. I want to thank her for joining us this week. Little Skittle, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media? And where can they find updates on your latest adventures? And where can they see some of those uh, vlogs that you were referencing? Yeah, so my main um, my main social media is Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Miss Ms underscore Rebecca underscore Ann, um, and then I also have my vlogs up on my YouTube. And all of my vlogs are up for the PCT. I vlogged for the Timberline. I vlogged from um, some of the such and hiking I did of the Oregon Coast Trail. That's all up on my YouTube, which can be found if you search. Becca Little Skittle. And I think even if you just search Little Skittle, it'll come up too. Um, so yeah, you can find me there. And that's where I'll be doing vlogging for the other two trails once I get out there. Fantastic. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. Little Skittle, I'm also looking to, to you to give our listeners your recommendation for a book a movie, a documentary, a website, or a YouTube channel that will keep them connected to outdoor, outdoor adventures. We're calling this our outdoor, I'm sorry, we're calling this our adventure media recommendation. Do you have anything for us? I do. Um, my fellow PCT 2019 um, through hiker Tip Tap, Elena Osborne, she has the sickest and most talented filmmaking style out there, I think. Um, there's not a whole lot of videos out there like hers. She really captures, I think, the essence of being a through hiker and the beauty of the trail, the beauty of um, the relationships you have out there, not only with who you're hiking with, but yourself, um, your family back home, um, being an international traveler, if, if that resonates with you, because um, she's a Kiwi. Um, and she just tells the story of life on trail very eloquently and very beautifully. I can't recommend her stuff enough. And does she do that on YouTube? Yeah, yeah. Her videos are up on YouTube. So if you search um, Tip Tap, I believe, um, or if you search Elena Osborne, it's E-L-I-N-A Osborne, um, she should pop up. Um, yeah, if it, also I think her stuff is called It's the People. I want to say, so if you also search, it's the people PCT, it should pop up as well. 
Fantastic. I'm going to take a look at that. You're going to love it. I promise. That's a wrap from the John Freakamere studio. Any uh, shout out, shout outs, little Skittle? I know we've we've mentioned a number of people already. Anybody you've forgotten or somebody that you Mm. couldn't remember earlier that has come to come to mind now? Um, yeah, actually PCP, I forgot about PCP, but she was only a part of the family in certain areas, but, um, she was another great gal that we had hiked with, with, um, ginger balls as well. So she is a notable, notable memory of mine. Good friend. Okay. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you break your fall with your face on a log (laughs) over a raging river. Trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.